Welcome to another episode of There's a System to This Madness podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Today is February 5th, 2021. Uh, before I get into this podcast, as you are well aware, last podcast was my 50th episode. So that kind of has given me the inclination that this is something that I am very interested and in, beginning to gain some type of passion for it. So I felt that it would be best for me to, I guess, invest in more professional help. Pretty much, I record these podcasts in my home with a basic setup, garage band, uh, iTunes, things like that. So I've decided that what I'm going to do is upgrade, move on to a more professional, basically, I'm going to utilize a producer and an editor to the podcast. So what you are probably going to hear in the future are hopefully better sound than what I'm giving you right now better editing. Hopefully they'll take some of my pauses and my ums and ahs, you know, stuff that they teach you that you're not supposed to do in my Toastmaster classes. And also you might even have some intro and outro music, things that will give this podcast a more professional feel. I just feel that I want to not only give the best information that I possibly can, but I also want to give the best quality that I possibly can also deliver. So pretty much what I'm going to um, take into the concept that from this point on, I want to upgrade the standards of this podcast. With that being said, that's gonna cost, that's gonna cost money. So pretty much what I am going to have to consider instead of delivering a podcast every five to six days or so, what my goal will now be is to possibly deliver a podcast once a week maybe even every seven to eight days, pretty much. I'm going to see how this is going to work out. I believe that the individuals that I'm looking at that's going to assist me with this, we're on the same page in regards to what we feel that would be the best for this podcast to not only just deliver it as something as, I guess, a hobby, but also to branch out. Like I said, currently right now, I think my podcasts are available on Apple and I think it's on Google. Through this company, it's going to be delivered on several platforms. So that's, you know, that's kind of exciting also. But like I said, my biggest thing is I just want better quality. When I listen to my podcast and then I listen to the other podcasts that you know people are doing, yes, I'm starting to notice 
that there's a difference. And I'm sure that, you know, the higher up individuals, they are not recording their podcast in the basement of their home. They probably are using, you know, professional assistance. So pretty much this is where I want to be going. With that said, let's get into this. The first thing I think the new Congress needs to address is redistricting in regards to the gerrymandering of statewide control that is going to be the results and changes of house numbers that's, you know, that's the results of the census. Some states are going to gain more representative. There are going to be some states that may lose representatives. One of the things that I have to commend the Republican Party on, they have always had the ability to utilize the redistricting powers to favor them. I don't know why Democrats have always fallen behind in regards to this area, but for some reason, this has always been the stronghold of the Republican Party. In fact, there are companies that do pretty much redistricting for states, but it's only a handful of states. And I can't say it's a handful, as far as I know. California is one, and I want to say New York might be the other one that actually outsource the redistricting of their states so that no particular political party will gain anything. But of course, you know, come on, the southern states, they're not going to go for that. So pretty much, because that would be the right thing to do. I mean, you know, you would have to have a fair dealing Democratic governor that would say, we're going to turn it over to somebody that's just non-partial. That shit just not going to happen with a Southern state. But people don't understand that redistricting of states, people don't still don't understand how important it is to vote in state elections, city elections, because these are the things that they do on this level. And when they do these things on the state level, on the county levels, it, it affects the whole state where you live at. And that has profound repercussions in regards to your representatives that are sent to Washington. Another thing that I'm starting to, is, uh, it just, the only way I can put it blatantly is, is pissing me off. The Democrats need to get the idea of passing bills and legislation without focusing on doing things in a bipartisan manner. I mean, when you think about back in 2008, 2009, Democrats wasted so much time trying to have a bipartisan legislation only to have when the Republicans gained control, they pretty much just said, fuck them. 
and they did away with everything. Or during President Obama's eight years, they hindered every piece of legislation that he presented, every piece of legislation that would have been profitable in a sense to the American people, but because it came from his office, they rejected it. Now we're in a situation where the Democrats have control and they need to learn how to accept the fact that they have control and they need to get to the point where they have to get as much legislation in as possible while they have control. And then when the midterms come, give the people that voted them back into power the things that they campaign on to get that power back. If these things work on the behalf of the Democrat Party, then during the midterms, their base will strengthen. Get people to see that things are working. All this bickering, going back and forth, these are the things that make people hate the political system. When people hate the political system, they in turn stay at home on election day. When people can see that, hey, I voted, a group of us voted, and we see the results, we are seeing the changes that is going to make those individuals start coming out for more and start taking part in the political process. The thing is, you got all these, these things that the Republican Party will block, allow for these things to happen by the Republican Party, by blocking things that are detrimental to the American people. And from there, you would have to set them up during the midterms on why they would have to, they, they're going to have to explain as candidates running for House positions or governor positions, all types of positions, they're going to have to explain to their voters exactly why did they block everything that was beneficial and detrimental to this country moving forward. Another thing is why is Democrats dragging their feet on trying to get by a bipartisan from the Republicans in regards to the stimulus bill? Why is it so difficult to understand that the Republicans are more loyal to corporations and this is why their numbers are lower and less in regards to the proposal amount that the Democrats feel that this country needs. It is a Republican's mandate to serve corporate America. Corporate America is against stimulus checks. They are against PPE checks, anything that will help and save a small business is not the business plan of an H&R Block or a McDonald's corporation. They don't want that small mom and pop tax preparer or that small hamburger joint to survive. They want them to go under. So they lobby to their Republican politicians to vote against stimulus bills 
that would help a small business, they want them to intentionally go under. The Democrats know this. Why are they fucking with these Republicans? They know what they want, but they're steady dragging their feet, hoping that all of a sudden they're going to change. They're going to change their mind. And, you know, let me let me say this. Yes, I get it. And I understand that Democrats and Republicans are not that different from each other. You know, if I may use this old cliche, a garden snake and a rattlesnake are different, but make no mistake, they're both snakes. In fact, the only difference is the Republicans have their hands deeper in the cookie jar. But make no mistake, the Democrats have their hands on the cookie jar. And they benefit from big business as well. Because like I said, H&R Block, McDonald's, these corporations, they give to Democrat candidates also. Of course, they don't give as much, but they play, they pretty much, they play, they play both sides. They straddle the fence. The thing is, Republicans have issues with how your stimulus packages is going to be taken out because a stimulus package is basically what it is. It's to stimulate the economy. It's to keep you afloat. It's not just some family that works at Walmart getting a check. It might be that self-employed individual that have their own little small business and that stimulus check can keep them afloat as well. When in fact, most of the major corporations, they don't want this to happen. And the sad part is the voters, they don't understand the true nature of a Republican. When you see these white folks out here petitioning and talking about Trump this, Trump that, and they have no skin in the type of game that Donald Trump is about, but these dumbasses are sitting here voting for the Trump doctrine. It's, it's, it's pathetic. But see, the thing is, the Democrats, and I guess my thing is, the Democrats do not know how to sell their message to the average American. Because the average American, they do not, they, you know, the benefit from the Republican Party, the benefit from the Trump doctrine, you got to make at least $250,000 or more. Let's be real. I don't know what the average household income in the United States is off the top of my head. I need to look that up. But I don't think it's a quarter of a million dollars. But when you think about 75 million people voted for Donald Trump in the last election, that is the most craziest shit I have ever heard. You cannot tell me that 75 million individuals that voted for Donald Trump makes $250,000. I would go on record to think 
it's probably not even 10%. And if they are connected, it's through some type of corporation. But overall, vote per vote, I guarantee probably 10% or less of those individuals of that 75 million people do not make more than, I don't even think they make 100,000. But for some reason, they would vote for him because of course he spews the rhetoric that they feel. You know, you get to the point where a racist is so hatred that they will vote against their own interests just to hear people spew out rhetoric against other races, other nationality. I mean, you fear, you fear an uprising of people of color so bad that you would literally vote against somebody that will take care of your family? That's some, that's some wild shit, but it's obvious that is what is going on. And let's stay on this topic of Democrats capitulating to Republican issues. Like, you know, okay, President Joe Biden. Another issue that he is having is with the um, ICE Department, Immigration and Custom Enforcement. Evidently, they are trying to undo a lot of the immigration policies that was put in place by the Trump administration. The thing is, a lot of these agencies are loyal to Donald Trump, which, you know, who don't blame them? I'm sure to get all of these process and programs for, you know, anti-immigration up and running, I'm sure a tons of money was thrown at them. I'm sure that without a doubt, I'm willing to speculate in the last four years that their budget for ICE probably, it probably doubled. Okay, you got Joe Biden. He's trying to undo this. They are bulking at his ideals and I'm thinking, okay, fuck them. Get these people out of here. If they want to still be beholden to the mandate that Donald Trump has put in place, okay, get delete them. Do a clean sweep of these agencies and start from scratch. Put in place. I mean, you know, the... Um, Joint Chief Chair, General Lloyd. This, this man, I wasn't going to say this motherfucker, that was going to be in a positive way. This man said, fuck y'all. He, he did a clean sweep of Pentagon personnel because he knew that they would not be loyal. He didn't even want to even have to even get a, give them a second thought about whether or not they're going to be loyal. So he said, pack your shit and get the fuck out of here. 
And that's what, you know, that's, that's how you have to do it. Joe Biden needs to take a lesson, take a page out of his joint chief of staff that he put in place. I mean, this stop, stop tiptoeing and dragging your feet with these Republican personnel. It's like this. You, you're going to make the mistake that President Obama did his first two years. He capitulated so much in trying to do this bipartisan situation to the point where nothing got done. And before you know it, they were in the midterms. And the midterms gave the Republicans the House it was either the House and the Senate or one or the other. But either way, he, I think he lost the Senate. He might have lost the House, too. And I think um, he got the House back after, um, for, at the beginning of his uh, second term. But it do not have to be this way. How great would it be if Joe Biden, if he decides to do one term, have the House and the Senate, excuse me, the House and the Senate for the whole four-year term. How great would it be if Kamala Harris runs for president, she wins, and then she has the House and the Senate, and she can continue implementing and restructuring the foundation of this country and regain the superpower status that this country has been accustomed to. And it can be done. It can be done. Fuck that filibuster stuff that these Republicans keep saying. You're going to regret it. You know what? Focus on building your foundation. Don't just focus on staying afloat. You got to focus on swimming. You got to focus on treading water like a shark. The Democrats need to have that mindset that it is not just about, well, let's, we, we want to show this bipartisan. The Republicans have never done this. This, you know, this, this, oh gosh, I can't get, I mean, it's just, it's February. They're getting things done, but it's like, it's like every time, well, let's see what the let's see what the Republicans got to say. You know what? Fuck them. I'm gonna meet with the Republicans leadership. Hey, hey yo, fuck them. Hey, this is what we're going to do. Now, if you got something that can add to it, we will listen to you. You got one day to speak your piece. After that, the hammer drops. Shit gets passed. On to the next thing. Speaking of on to the next thing, let's talk about the George Floyd case. And I'm going to finish it up with that. Um, the judge in the case pretty much have stated that he's going to remove from the prosecutors and the defense the ability to talk about any past transgressions of any parties during the trial. Now, that's going to be helpful and it's going to be 
a hindrance because it is no secret that George Floyd, he had a checkered past. He had encounters with the police. What prosecutors have done, particularly when there's a black person and they're going before an all-white jury, they would bring up the run-ins and the encounters that the victim or the deceased had in regards to what possibly could have led up to the police taking that type of action. What this is saying is that this will not be allowed. What the judge is basically saying, this trial is solely going to focus on the incident that took place in regards to the murder of George Floyd. However, there's both sides to this coin. Excuse me, there's another side to this coin. I didn't say that right. There's another side to this coin because the police officer, Derek Shavin, he has a checkered past also. It's been stated that he has had several citations. So the defense team cannot bring up any of his past transgressions to show that he has a pattern also. One of, now, it, it was stated that the defense can bring up one out of the several. It would have been nice if they could bring up everything that Derek Shavin has done in the past. And I, I believe that would have been, that would have been key, you know, to compare a police officer to George Floyd, you know, you would think that the standards would be different. You would think the police officer standards would be higher. A police officer, let's say, you know, a police officer that gets caught drinking and driving versus like say me, if I got caught drinking and driving, you would think the police officer would be held more accountable. But what they're gonna try to do is make the police officer and George Floyd on the same level. However, the one caveat to this is that the judge is going to allow for one of the, I guess, um, violations that Derek Chavin has done in the past. Chavin, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, has done in the past to be brought up. Okay, fate would have it. The one thing that more than likely that they're going to bring up is that he has had a past situation in an incident, I think it said back in 2017, where Officer Shavin has placed his knee on the neck of a woman. So this motherfucker, this is his method of operation. So if this could be brought into the courtroom, this could set a precedence as to his behavior. It also should set a precedence of why his supervisors have allowed for him to be, I guess, kept on the, the department when he has this type of history. 
So it's 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 gonna be interesting. Like I said, now me personally, I just believe uh, maybe I'm being naive or watching the the law movies. If I was Keith Ellison, who's you know gonna be over this uh, case, I would just blurt it out. Derek Chavin has had several incidents of his own, and of course the attorney for Chavin is going to say I object. And the judge is going to be like, yes, um, that need to be stricken from the records. And he's going to say, he or she are going to say, um, the jury need to disregard that statement. But of course, let's be real. If it's been stated and been put before the jury, it's, it's in their minds. I would do my best to leak that information out so that stuff can be just lambasted everywhere because it is important that people understand that Derek Chavin is a rogue cop and also he has the techniques what he did to George Floyd that was not some type of fluke that was something that he does that is one of his like I said one of his methods of operations which is a sick method of operation, but this is what he does. On that note, we're going to end it right here. As always, I would love to hear your comments. I would love to hear your responses. I would love to hear your corrections. If I said anything wrong, I look forward to hearing that. Please follow me on my Facebook page. Um, I'm on Instagram either under Osaze Shabazz or the podcast name, there's a system to this madness. Uh, like I said, there's some new things that are coming. Very excited to give, you know, my audience better quality, more options, more information. Please look forward to that. Again, I thank you. Appreciate the support that I'm getting. Hang in there with me. It can only get better. Until then, stay safe. God bless. Thank you so much.